All right, thank you, Brother Mike. Let's take our Bibles together tonight, and let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 16, please. The 16th chapter in the book of Acts is where we'll find our text this evening. And uh, again, it's certainly been a joy to be in God's house already tonight. And uh, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed seeing what the Lord is doing uh, there in the country of Mexico. I have been uh, to Mexico on a couple of different occasions when Mrs. Wilson asked me where it was that I had been. I said, I've been to Juarez. And she said, well, you haven't been to the real Mexico. So apparently, I've got to go back. And uh, I would love to see the work there in Leon and, and uh, maybe some other places as well. Uh, but uh, we're certainly thankful. You think about what the Lord is doing here, and sometimes we get sort of self-absorbed in, 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 in this place and what God's doing in this place. But the truth of the matter is, all over this world are gospel-preaching churches uh, that are faithful to share Christ with their neighborhood and their community and uh, to do things uh, the Bible way. And uh, it's just an amazing thing when you think about all that God is doing all around the world. And we can have a part in it through our giving and certainly through our prayers and uh, our support of, of these dear folks. And, uh, you know, I just, I just believe that we've had a hero with us today, 57 years in one country serving the Lord and doing so faithfully and uh, I, I just think we're, uh, it's a treat for us to have you here. And thank you so much for being our guest today. We're on Acts chapter number 16. Why don't you look with me at a couple of verses. Uh, let's look in verse number 6 of Acts chapter 16. The Bible says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were, for, were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. I'd encourage you to make note of those two phrases in verses 6 and 7 that reference the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That, that demands maybe just a little closer examination. Why, why, Holy Spirit, would you forbid people from preaching in a particular location? Verse 7 says that they, they wanted, that assayed means they attempted, they desired to go into Bithynia. But once again, the Spirit suffered them not. So the Spirit of God puts up two stop signs in these two verses. Verse number 8, the Bible says, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord, that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel in him. So verses 6 and 7, there's stop signs. Verses 9 and 10, there's, uh, there's a green light, finally. It's clear. Verse 11, therefore, loosing from Troas, we came I like that phrase, with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. I want to preach to you this evening a subject, a message I've entitled, The Holy Ghost and the Will of God. The Holy Ghost and the Will of God. It was 26 years ago right around this time that I left home for the very first time for my freshman year of Bible college. Prior to that, as a junior in high school, I sensed the Lord was calling me to preach. And so I surrendered my life to do that. I 
surrender my life in a Sunday evening service just like this one. really wasn't a whole lot different from what we did on that night. What we do tonight, the choir sang, the instrumentalist played. We had some special music. I don't know if we had a missionary in town that evening, but if we did, there maybe was a testimony. And then my dad at that time was, had been a pastor here for just a short time, preached a message, just a simple message. I don't remember it, to be very frank, but I knew that God was calling me to preach. And so I stepped out of my seat. I was sitting right over where my wife and family are sitting tonight. Made my short walk. That's one reason why it's good to sit near the front when God works in your heart and in your life. The walk to the aisles, to the altars, a little bit shorter. But I made my walk to the altar. My grandfather greeted me and we prayed together. And I told him I believe that God was calling me to preach. And, um, and so that, that, that led to another decision that needed to be made. I knew that God was calling me to preach. And so the next question is this. Well, then where did God want me to be trained? prayed about several options, and the place that I eventually went, I tell folks this all the time, the first place I, first time I visited there, I wanted no part of going there whatsoever. And there's a lot of reasons for it, but uh, number one reason was that I was not in a spiritually mature place. Though I had surrendered my life to the Lord to do whatever he wanted to do, I was looking for some things in a college that, uh, that perhaps really weren't necessarily what I needed at that point in time, and yet the Lord softened my heart, and as I matured and grew, God gave me peace about attending that particular college, and that would be the place that I would spend the next four years of my life. Those four years came, and they went very quickly, and now it was time to figure out the next step. We're, we're talking about the various steps that folks take. I surrendered as a junior. I went off to Bible college 26 years ago this month, and Spent four years there, and now, now, Lord, what would you have us to do? Where do you want us to go? Oh, by the way, I, I went out single, and I came back married. I'm saying, Lord, what will you have us to do? At that point in time, my wife and I had married, and uh, we were really seeking the Lord's will, and, and I had a hunger. I had a burden, a, a desire to return home. I wanted to be here and to serve in my home church, and I was so determined to be here that we came back home without a job. And I remember my wife, I can remember, we'd only been married about six months. And I remember her saying, are you sure? You, we, there's, there's nothing there. We had, we had interviewed in another place, uh, and uh, we had had some other contacts and conversations with pastors. And, and I remember my wife saying, are you sure? There's nothing there. I just believe that this is what God was leading us to do. And so we returned back home. We moved back home, and I began to look for a job here in the Cleveland area, it wasn't long before a position opened up, and my first day to serve on staff here at Cleveland Baptist Church was January the 2nd, 2001. So over the past 22 and a half years, it has been a great honor to serve Jesus and to serve all of you here in this place. Now, the story above is my story, and all of you have a story as well, but it's my story, and those are the practical steps that I took to get where I am today. But I want you to know something. I believe with all of my heart that it was the Holy Spirit of God that led me every step of the way. He was using the choices and decisions that I would make to bring me to this place where I stand tonight. But I want you to understand something, that it was God that led me here. And as, a, as I stand before you, I have no doubt in my mind that I am doing exactly, exactly what the Holy Spirit of God created and designed me to do with my life. No question about it. In our text, Paul has a team of folks serving with him on his second missionary journey. 
This is trip number two. This team is comprised of at least four people. You say, well, who are those four people? Well, the first one is a man by the name of Silas. If you'll go back to the previous chapter, would you look in chapter 15? And look with me, if you would, in verse number 40. Notice, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. You and I know that on the first missionary journey, it was Paul and Barnabas. But on the second missionary journey, it was Paul and Silas. And we don't need to go into all of the details as to why the two of them split from one another. I think the devil was trying to accomplish something in all of that. But I believe as, as, uh, as, as often the case, God ultimately got the victory. Because now we don't have just one missionary team going out, but we've got two missionary teams going out to two different and various locations. But we know there's, uh, there's Silas here as uh, Paul's partner. And uh, then we notice that very early on in Acts chapter number 16, Paul picks up another partner. This man's name is Timotheus, and we read of him in verses 1 and 2. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, uh, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Notice verse number 3, him would Paul have to go forth with him. So it's obvious that uh, Timothy becomes this uh, third partner in this journey. You have Paul, you have Silas, and now you have Timothy. You say, well, who's the fourth? The fourth, I believe, was a man by the name of Luke. You say, are you sure that Luke was with them? Well, look what he says in verse number 10. He says, and after he had seen the vision, immediately notice the next word, we. Now, that's interesting because he really hasn't, he hasn't um, identified himself in this way until this point in time. So my guess would be, that somewhere in these verses between chapter 16, verse number 1, and chapter 16 and verse number 10, they pick up another partner, a man by the name of Luke, who is the author of this particular book, the human author, of course. And, of course, we see that this team has four dedicated servants of the Lord who are all committed to traveling together and attempting to win souls to Christ and establish churches. But, But it seems like they hit a brief delay after some time in Derby and Lystra. And that delay was centered around, a, they possessed a calling to preach, but where did the Lord want them to go next? Have you ever been there? Have you ever wondered, okay, God, I sense that you're done with me here, or I sense that there's another calling upon my life, but for whatever reason, the Lord has not given you the clearance to go just yet. That's where they were. Can I remind you that the Holy Spirit of God indicates to us that the will of God not only includes what to do, but also where to do it. That's part of it. How did the Wilsons end up in Mexico? Holy Spirit of God led them there. How did you end up here tonight? The Holy Spirit of God led you here. As I look around this room, there are folks that have been attending this church for 60 years or more. And as I look around this church tonight, there are folks that have walked in here for the very first time. And you might ask yourself the question, why am I here? And that's a good question. You might say, well, I'm here because somebody gave me a track one day. Well, that's good. I'm here because I drove down the street and I saw the sign and I thought, I'm going to visit that church someday. I'm here because of this or because of that. No, no, listen, listen. You're here, you're here because the Holy Spirit of God willed for you to be here. He led you to this place. That's why you're here. You better get everything that he has for us to get while we're in this place. The will of God, listen, has in time past been made to feel like some mysterious uh, 
weird little thing. And I'm just here to tell you, listen, we do a great disservice when we approach the will of God in this way. I believe that with all my heart. The will of God, listen, it is not, it is not a complicated thing. It is not a complicated thing. In fact, in fact, it's probably one of the easiest parts of the Christian life is the will of God. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me share with you some general principles concerning the will of God. Number one, let me just say this tonight as we, as we get started. God wills, God wills for everyone to be saved. Say, so what's God's will for my life? God wills for you to be born again, for you to be saved. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, he's patient usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is God's will for your life? Well, here, here it is. If you're lost tonight, I, I, I can make it really, really simple for you. It is this, look to Jesus and be saved. That's God's will for your life. No question about it. So how do I do that? Well, you don't have to do anything. Jesus has already done it. All you have to do is respond in faith. In just a few moments, we'll give an invitation. We'll sing a hymn together. We'll all stand. Folks will be in a spirit of prayer. Personal workers will be here at the front. And if you would like to be saved, it doesn't matter who you are. You say, well, I'm, I've been in this church for years and everybody just assumes that I'm saved. I don't care what anybody assumes. You need to make sure that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. That's God's will for your life. And everyone be saved. Number two, God wills for every believer to be sanctified. Not only does God will for every person to be saved, but God's will is for every believer to be sanctified. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. You skip down to verse number 7. The Bible says, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Some of you are sitting here and you say, okay, well, I've been saved. Now what? What's next? I'm glad you asked. What's the will of God for you tonight? The will of God for you tonight is right there for you to be sanctified. So what does that mean? The word sanctification, it speaks of purity. So God longs for his children to be pure, for them to be holy. Again, if you're here tonight and you are a believer, but you have some level of impurity in your life, you say, how can I be in the will of God for my life? Here's how you can be in God's will for your life. Tonight, tonight, repent of your sin. Repent. You don't have to be born again again. You've already been born again, but you've got sin in your life. You've tolerated some things that shouldn't be there. And so if I'm you and I'm sitting in this service tonight and I know that I'm dirty, I know that I'm not pure, I understand that I'm unsanctified, then I'm going to run to the altar. I'm going to find a place where I can meet with God tonight and I am going to repent of my sin. I'm going to confess some things to the Lord and I'm going to get right with him. That's God's will for your life. That you be sanctified. Then I'd say number three, God wills for every believer not only to be sanctified, but for every believer to be involved in the Great Commission. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go ye. Go ye. That's a command. Do it. In my home, when I tell my children, instruct them in something, I tell them, I want you to do this, my expectation is that they do it. It's a command. Does it always get done? <laughs> no, <laughs> it does not always get done. 
but doesn't change the fact that I have commanded, I have commissioned, hey, this needs to happen. Let's get this done. And they can give lots of excuses. I forgot. You know, I, I didn't hear you. That's a classic one. I didn't hear you. I said, you heard when we said we're going to get ice cream. That wasn't an issue. You heard when I said we're going to the park. You heard when I said we're going to do something fun. Why is it that you never hear when I say to do some work? <laughs> is it possible that as God's people, we sort of treat God the same way? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel? Have you done that? Are you doing that? Are you involved in great commission work? Are you telling people, you went to a restaurant today? Did you talk to the waitress? Did you talk to the server? You, you go to work tomorrow? Do your coworkers know that you're a believer? That, do they know who Jesus is? So every believer is to be involved. That's God's will, that we be involved in the great commission. Listen, this is not just a job for pastors and missionaries. This is the will of God for all of us. I would just say again that if you're here tonight, you say, what is God's will for my life? Number one, be saved. Have you been saved? Good. What's the next step? What's the next part of God's will for your life? Be sanctified. Get, get any impurity out of your life and get right with God and repent of your sin. And ask the Holy Spirit of God to clean you up. Then what? Then get involved in great commission work. That's the will of God. Now listen, I believe these three These general principles concerning the will of God, I believe these are the will of God for every individual. And here's what I believe. I also believe that faithfulness to these will lead us to what is commonly referred to as God's specific will for our lives. In other words, listen, in in these, these, these four on this missionary team, they're waiting on the Lord. God, where do you want us to go next? Are these four men saved, yes or no? Yes, they're saved. Are these four men, are they sanctified. Well, we're going to assume that they're sanctified. This is the apostle Paul we're talking about. And I can't imagine him taking with him impure, unclean vessels with him uh, to travel. So we're going to assume that these men are set apart from the world, that they're living lives that are pure and holy uh, in alignment with what God's word teaches. And then here's the question. Are these men involved in great commission work? Absolutely. That's what they're trying to accomplish. So you say, You say, well, what does God really want? What's God's specific? You've talked about the general will. What is God's specific will for my life? And I'm just here to tell you that I believe faithfulness to do what you already know God has called you to do will lead to the specific unknown will of God being revealed in due time. It is not reasonable for you to sit here tonight and say, I know God wants me to be sanctified, but I really don't care about that. I'm going to do my own thing. And I know God wants me involved in great commission work, but I'm not going to carry any gospel tracts, and I'm not going to be involved in ministry, and, and next time they're going to have door knocking, I'm not participating in that. It is not reasonable for that to be your heart, and for that to be your spirit, and for that to be your attitude, and then expect, okay now, okay now, Lord, what do you want, where, where, where do you want me to work? Okay, Lord, where do you want me to live? Lord, I know you've got a house out there for me somewhere. Lord, would you give that house to me? Uh, okay, Lord, who, who do you want me to marry? And to expect that God is going to reveal those things to you when you won't already do the things that he has clearly revealed to you. That's the way it works. So as we're looking at these men, they are ripe candidates for God saying to them, hey, here's where I want you to go, and here's what I want you to do. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Then start doing what you know he wants you to do. And I believe you'll soon discover that God will reveal what is unknown to you. Now in our text are some men 
who don't know at this point in time where God wants them to go next. But they're faithful to the Lord while they're waiting. By the way, you might be in a season of waiting. Stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Just keep doing what you know God wants you to do and wait on the Lord. I believe the the Lord uses the Holy Spirit to reveal his will to them. It is so very clearly seen in this text. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence of God in the lives of believers. So here's the question. What lessons can be learned as we watch the Holy Spirit of God reveal to these men the will of God for their lives? Number one, let me say this. The Holy Spirit is just as capable of closing doors as he is of opening them. In other words, you understand that sometimes the Holy Spirit works not just in open doors. We're always looking for the open doors. But sometimes he works just as much in the closed doors as he does in the open doors. That's what happens in verses 6 and 7. I have to tell you, there's a personal connection for us in this room tonight. When we read this, this is personal to us. Here's why. Paul's ministry up until this point had been been, uh, focused specifically in Asia. And it's pretty obvious from verses 6 and 7, he was okay with staying in that part of the world. As far as he was concerned, you know, he knew Asia. He knew the people there. He knew the cities there. He knew the culture there. Likely he knew the language there. And and so he was content. Hey, let's just just stay in Asia. Let's continue to preach the gospel in Asia. And that's what he wanted to do. But notice, notice the Holy Spirit of God was closing the door to Paul and his team as it relates to gospel ministry in Asia. And here's what he's doing. He's opening up a door for them to go somewhere else, not to Asia, but to Europe, where the gospel had not yet been preached at this point in time. You say, what's significant about that? Well, it's significant because most of us are of, most of us, not all of us, but most of us are of European descent. So let that sink in for a moment. The Holy Spirit of God says to Paul, yeah, just stay in Asia, it's fine. Where would we be tonight? Would we have what we have tonight? Would you have, would you have ever experienced what you've experienced in your life? Would you know Christ? Would you walk with the Lord? Would you have a Bible? Would you have a church to attend? Would you have a Christian heritage? Had the Holy Spirit of God not said to Paul, hey, don't stay in Asia, go to Europe. So this, this, is, this is very personal to us. Gospel made a great impact on the European continent. Our country was settled by people of faith who came here seeking religious freedom. And I'm just here to tell you the leading of the Holy Ghost and Paul's obedience in this text of Acts chapter 16 still impacts us tonight. So let me say a couple of things about the Holy Spirit of God using closed doors just as much as he uses open doors. Number one, let me say this, don't try to force open doors that he has closed. We, we, we like to do that sometimes, don't we? A closed door can be a very difficult thing. Likely, likely we are, we are very familiar and maybe even comfortable with what is behind that door. There's a reason why Paul wanted to preach the word in Asia and in Bithynia. It's what he was familiar with. But there's no doubt that God closed that door. And Paul could have argued that there's no bad or wrong place to preach the gospel, bless God. And he would have been right. But had he proceeded with where he wanted to go, he would have been outside of God's specific will for his life. Even though, think about this, even though he would have been doing a good thing. That's weighty. There's a lot to take in there. Let me, let me, just, let me just maybe say that a second time. Paul could have argued that there's no bad or wrong place to preach the gospel. 
And he would have been right to an extent. But had he proceeded with where he wanted to go, he would have been outside of God's specific will for his life, even though he would have been doing a good thing. We, we have settled, as Christians, we have settled for good as opposed to that which is best. That's what we've settled for. We, we've, we, 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 we live life on the, on the baseline. I mean, we, we do just enough to get by. We say, well, I'm still doing good things. I still go to church. I still, you know, love the Lord. I still give. I serve a little bit here and there. And we convince ourselves we're where we need to be, but maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit of God has much more for us than just this. Perhaps God has recently closed a door in your life. You think of closed doors. Perhaps maybe you look back over your life, you thought, you know, at, at one point I really wanted to marry that person. <laughs> God closed that door. At one point I really wanted to be involved in this career. That's what I thought that I was created to do. And God closed that door. I thought maybe I would really like to live here. I'd really like to do this or to do that. But, but for whatever reason, that door closed. Has God closed some doors in your life? It can be frustrating when he closes some doors. You may feel like God is making a mistake by closing a particular door, but I'm here to encourage you to simply trust him tonight. Listen, he knows what he's doing. He knows what is best. So don't try to force open doors that he has closed. Can I say secondly that a closed door somewhere means an open door somewhere else? The door to Asia was closing for Paul. That just simply meant that another door was opening elsewhere. And Paul could lament that his time in Asia was over or he could thank God for the time he had in Asia and look forward with anticipation for what the Lord had planned for him next. The end of 2014. After several months of meetings and prayer and seeking the Lord, it was obvious that the Lord was moving my wife and I out of the youth ministry here. If I remember correctly, our last Sunday with the teens was early in 2015. And we loved, we loved the youth group. We enjoyed our time with them. Some of the favorite, favorite moments of my ministry was standing before those young people. Some of you in, in here, some of you are married now and you're serving the Lord faithfully and I was your youth pastor and we've got some great memories together. And we loved it. We didn't love every part of it. We loved most of it. I loved the teaching. I loved teaching young people. I loved planning trips and, and uh, executing those trips and different things like that. I hated all-nighters. I hated all-nighters. I'm, I'm the dope who came up with it to begin with, so I only got myself to blame, right? But I hated that. I mean, I remember looking, looking at that night from about a month out thinking to myself, I can't stand my life. I hate this. Why are we doing this, you know? But, but, I, but, but, but we, loved, we loved what we were doing, but it was, obvious. it was obvious that God was leading. We hated to leave what had been a fruitful season of ministry, but we believed the Lord was closing that door and opening another one. In the summer of 2016, the deacons approached me and asked if they could meet with me about potentially becoming the next pastor here of Cleveland Baptist Church. The church voted on me to become the co-pastor in November of 2016, we were all said, if I remember correctly, my dad, who was the previous pastor, was looking at stepping out in September of 2020. That was his plan. 
By the way, all of us have plans, and there's nothing wrong with having plans. We need to make sure that our plans are open to what God's plans are. And if God decides to change the plan, then we need to be okay with that. And his plan was September of 2020. I remember we had a meeting here, I believe it was in 2017, maybe. And I could tell something was happening in his life. I didn't know what that was, but I could just see it. I remember he pulled me into his office one day, and he said, I, I, don't, know exactly, I don't know exactly what the Lord is doing, but I believe, I believe that God is moving this timeline up. It was at that point, I think he felt like the Lord was leading him to step away in June of 2019. The Lord was closing some doors for him and opening some doors for me. As previous, the Lord had closed some doors for us and opening some other doors for us to remain in this church and to still serve. I, um, I now look back and I can see what God was doing and how the Lord led him away earlier than he had originally planned. By the way, when the Lord closes a door for an individual, he usually opens that same door for someone else. In 20. 15, God gave Cleveland Baptist Church a new youth pastor. And in 2019, God gave Cleveland Baptist Church a new pastor. I've often thought, had, 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 we, had we gone with the original timeline, September of 2020, well, you know what happened in 2020, don't you? Well, that would have been a bummer year to go out on, you know? That would have been unfortunate. God knew what he was doing. Sometimes God closes doors. We might wonder, what, what is God doing here? What door do you believe the Lord has closed in your life recently? Some might try to force that door back open. But perhaps the Lord wants you just to give that door to him and trust that he knows what is best for you and for your future. Number two, let me say the Holy Spirit leads clearly. The Holy Spirit leads clearly. In verse number nine, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now I want you to notice, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit of God here, number one, he works through his divine order. Now, this jumped off the page at me this week as I was studying it, verse number nine. Who got the vision here? It's not a trick question. It's right there, verse number nine. Who did the vision come to? Paul. Who was the leader of this team? Paul was the leader of this team. And he was the one that received the vision. It was, this, it was this one and the same person, the apostle Paul. Listen, that night Silas slept soundly, we would assume. I mean, he, you know, he was out. Timotheus, same thing. Luke, same thing. But during that night, Paul, Paul was captivated by an unmistakable vision in which the Holy Spirit of God was finally leading them to their next destination. Listen, I have learned, I have learned over time that God communicates his will often to his leader. And then here's what he does. He expects that those under the leader will follow the leader as the leader follows God. Let me go back just a little bit and tell you that 26 years ago, I left for college. We talked about the college that I ended up going to. And I just have to tell you that as I was making that decision, my, 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 my parents were very, very involved in that decision. I remember naming some colleges to my dad, saying, Dad, I, you know, maybe, maybe I should go to this one. And, and, and I don't know that he ever necessarily came all the way out and said, no, you're not going there. But I could just tell, I could just tell that that, that wasn't a place he was comfortable with me going. But I'm glad I listened to him. Because at that point in time, he was my authority. He was the leader in my life. I still lived in his home. And I don't understand this idea of parents, you know, well, they're, they're 15 now. 
You know, they're on their own. Just do your own thing. And you're chuckling, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of parents that parent that way. That's crazy. Man, that is dereliction of duty. God has put you in their life. And he, he understands that if, if you're not there, that kid's going off the rails. And he's put you there to keep that kid from going off the rails, to speak into their life and to help them make some of these decisions. I remember several years ago, I won't go into all the details, but we were living in a place and I just sensed the Lord was leading us to move and to sell the house that we were living in. And I remember my wife saying to me, are you sure? Are you sure this is what God wants us to do? I said, I can't fully explain it. I don't know everything, but I just believe that this is what God is leading us to do. We sold that house in 2007. You know what happened in the next year or so. And at, one point, at one point, that house was worth $50,000 less than what we had paid for it after, after we had sold it. I remember my wife coming to me, and I remember her looking at me and saying, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we did that. I'm just simply, listen, I haven't been right in every situation. I guarantee you, you know, my dad would tell you the same thing. He hasn't been right in every situation. But I'm saying this, God works through his divine order. And if you're a wife tonight, let your husband lead the family. And if you're a church member tonight, let the leaders of the church lead the church and follow them and get on board and just say, listen, if you believe that's what God wants us to do and we can't find anything in the Bible that, that, that would prohibit that, well, then let's just do what God's called the pastor to do. God works through his divine order. Many people struggle with this today, whether it be in the home or in the church. Understand that God has divinely established authority in the home and in the church. And if you aren't one of those, you don't always have to demand to be included in every detail before taking a step in an obedient direction. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, Paul wakes up and he says, I got this vision last night. And, and, and Luke says, now hold on a minute. How do you know? He was from Macedonia. Well, he said he was from Macedonia. But I, I mean, is it possible you misunderstood? And Timotheus saying, but I thought we were going to go to Asia. What's wrong with going to Asia? And I'm just simply saying, listen, there doesn't seem to be any of that. They, they looked and said, Paul, you've gotten the vision. We believe you're a man of God. We believe God's spoken to you through this. So let's follow the man of God. And God used it in a great way. Notice, notice he gives certain peace. Number two, he gives certain peace about the next steps. Some of you are restless tonight. But God hasn't given you peace about the next step, so you better not start moving or stay right where you're at. You better wait on the Lord and continue doing what you know God wants you to do. After he received this vision, the Bible says that Paul and his team were assured. That's what it says in verse number 10. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So some assurance took place through this vision. And I just want you to know something. My experience has been that the Holy Spirit of God is more than capable of assuring me that this is what he wants me to do. There's this thing called peace. God gives it. I warn people all the time, don't you dare, don't you dare take a step until God's given you peace. Notice what the Holy Spirit of God did. He identified a place for them to go. Notice what it says. It says, there appeared a man from Macedonia. And he stood and he prayed them saying, come over into Macedonia. So Macedonia is clearly identified here. And isn't that what they wanted? Or where do you want us to go? God's more than capable of identifying a place for them to go. 
And notice, secondly, he identified a need for them to meet. Notice, come over into Macedonia and help us. They didn't need help politically in Macedonia. They didn't help financially. They didn't need help educationally. No, listen, Paul was a preacher and a missionary. What this man was doing, he was pleading for gospel help. Can I just say the Holy Spirit is capable of leading people to specific places so that those individuals can meet specific needs? I was just thinking this week, it's amazing to me how God leads people. In 2016, I hope I don't embarrass them tonight, but in 2016, the Lord led a family here from Toledo, Ohio. Y'all came to work in New York life, didn't you? That's what they thought. But God had other plans, didn't he? And aren't we thankful that God brought them here and that they were sensitive to the leading? I don't know how long ago it was. But God brought a young man in the Cleveland Baptist Church. I'm talking about Brother John Blankenship. I think the first time you came, John, you sat over in here in this section, if I remember correctly, on a Sunday morning. He thought he was coming here to get married. That's what he thought. His wife was... I believe working as a nurse at that point in time here in Northeast Ohio. They had men and began the courting, dating relationship. He thought that's what he was coming here for. But listen, God had other plans. And that, listen, that, those stories could be repeated over and over and over again. How God has led people to CBC so they can help us. And I hope in the process we help them too. Some folks here that are newer tonight. You think God's led you here for this reason or for that reason. And it may be. And I believe, in, I believe, listen, I believe God leads people to places so that they can be a help. So they can be a help. What are you doing? What are you doing to help the cause of the gospel? What are you doing to help the local church? Can I say thirdly and finally tonight, the will of God is deserving of haste. It's deserving of haste. There are two words or phrases that jump off the page to me. And they detail how Paul and his team went after what God was leading them to do. There's the word immediately in verse number 10. And immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Immediately. Then the second phrase identified as we were reading the text, it's in verse number 11. We came with a straight course. I think it's pretty clear. And that is this. If you know what God has called you to do and where he has called you to do it, you need to get to doing it immediately with a straight course. There, there's, I guarantee there's some folks sitting in here tonight that say, you know, I felt like the Lord's wanted me to sing in the choir for about five years now. But you know, that's a commitment. I don't know that I could be that practices all the time and I don't know this and I don't know that. You feel like that's what God's leading you to do? Then you better do it. Get to it. Straight course. Maybe there's a young man here tonight who says, I feel like God is calling me to preach. Or maybe we heard from this dear missionary tonight, and maybe there's a young person, maybe even an older person in this room, I feel like God is calling us to the mission field. Well, what are you waiting on? I mean, if you believe that's what God wants you to do, God's more than, if that's not what God wants you to do, he can close that door. But if you sense that's what the Lord's doing, why don't you get to it? Why don't you, why don't you get to it with a straight course? Some of you, perhaps, should be teaching a class, teaching the Bible to people, but you haven't done it. Some of you should be baptized, but you haven't done it yet. What are you waiting on? You know that's what the Lord wants you to do. Just do it. What's the Lord's will for your life? 
figure it out. Our, our culture, listen, our culture resists commitment. And I think that attitude has crept into the church. Perhaps some of you are dragging your feet in a matter. Listen, I want you to know something. The will of God demands haste. And we know what God has called us to do. And we know where he's called us to do it. Then may we get there immediately and with a straight course. As we conclude tonight, are you doing what you know God has for you to do? If you don't know what that is, go back to the beginning. Are you saved? Are you sanctified? Are you serving to fulfill the Great Commission? I really believe this with all my heart. If you'll start doing these, I believe that, that you'll be in a great position for the Lord to reveal his will to you through the Holy Spirit of God. And understand this, sometimes, sometimes he reveals his will through, will through closed doors just as much as he reveals it through open doors. Look around. It's likely he's opening another door for you he will lead you clearly. There's no doubt about that. And he gives assurance. Stay in submission to his divine authority and look for peace about your next steps. And finally, once he has revealed what he wants you to do, do it with haste. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.